Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. Brought to you by Elite Consulting Partners, it's the only podcast offering unfiltered guidance and direct advice for all things concerning financial advisors, RIAs, and the practitioners in the wealth management business. Learn more and subscribe today at EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcast. And now, here's your host, Frank LaRosa. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. I am your host, Frank LaRosa, and I am joined today by the really sharp-looking president of Elite Consulting Partners, Dale Dempsey. What's up, Dale? How do you do? I like your shirt. I like your shirt. Like, oh, actually, I like your shirt, too. It's a, it's yeah. a good one. Dale's wearing the Elite logo on his shirt, so a new swag for the Elite folks, if you can see it. If you're watching our YouTube channel, Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa on YouTube, you'd be able to see that. If not, you can only imagine how awesome it looks. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, we're going to get a merch store online. We're working on it. Yeah. We have some pretty cool swag. People ask us about that logo all the time when we're walking around. So yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I, the story behind it is pretty cool, too. I think the way you described it to me, so it's a it's a disruptor. It's really, like as you look at chess pieces, and I can confirm this, it is definitely a disruptor. It changes the configuration of the board, and you know it makes you look at the pieces and the way they work in a different perspective. Which might be a good intro into yeah. kind of what, what we want to talk about today. Yeah, that, that was the, the genesis behind the, the logo, which was, you know, if those of you that know chess or don't know chess, the knight can move in all different types of directions. And many people view it as the, one of the most disruptive chess pieces on the board, which is very much like what we do here at Elite, because we can take a client in multiple directions, not just one direction, left or right, like some chess pieces. You know so what that I was just what, thought of? Okay, so, I, so I've been reading about quantum physics a lot it actually moves two planes at once in its move got it it's almost like a quantum chess piece there you go that's crazy okay i didn't even know that, that but that's i cool didn't too. even i've never thought about okay. that i could take credit for that but i won't but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a much more simplistic idea anyway so for those of you listening welcome to the show we're not going to be talking about our logo today but that was just a tangent there so what we are going to talk about is where dale and i spent the last week out in Denver, working on behalf of our clients, which is what which is what that really was really all about. We were at the LPL conference, Focus Conference 2022. We were invited by LPL, which we really appreciated, and it really got us got us on the inside to see what was going on at LPL. And we're not this is not an LPL podcast, but there are some things that we thought were really really interesting topics that we learned throughout the week. And so we thought we'd just maybe share some of them with you. If you, you know, obviously if you're not at LPL, you didn't get a chance to go see that. But so Dale, why don't you, what were the things that sort of stood out for you in terms of broader concepts, broader ideas that all advisors should really be thinking about, whether you're at LPL or not at LPL, whether you're independent or not independent, doesn't really matter. Yeah. And by the way, for those of you, I broke down and I can't believe I did this, but I broke down and had to buy reading glasses. My eyes were killing me yesterday. So for those of you watching YouTube, maybe wondering why is Frank holding glasses all of a sudden? Because I'm getting fucking old. Wow. Excuse my language. They look, um, I had to get sharp. glasses. Oh, that, hey, that's the that's ironic thing is, is when I first started in the business as a as a young financial advisor, I was 24, I think. I bought a very similar pair of glasses that weren't really glasses. They were just fake glasses to make myself look older. Now I'm upset because I have basically bought the same ones. And I want to look younger. So right. not, not, not working well for me. You went from form to function. I think that's okay. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, anyway, that's, sorry. That's kind of like an engineering 
thought process, function over form. And it just made me think about the opening statement at, or the opening speaker at, at LPL, who was a guy I found out about from Instagram Reels. And really it was a drummer, Questlove from The Roots, who was talking about why he was such a good drummer. And he referenced this book Oh, where right. it talks about doing something for, I think it's like 40,000 hours, something along those lines. Yeah, I think it's yeah, 10,000 yeah, so 10, times or something. 10, 000, yeah. yeah. I show up to work the next day and I'm like, oh, hey, hey, everybody. I heard about this awesome book called Outliers. And y'all are kind of looking at me like, well, wait a second, Dale. Everyone read Outliers. <laughs> where have you been? Yeah, 15 <laughs> years ago. Well, it was really, really highlighting for me to hear the author Malcolm Gladwell just get up there. One, mention that his parents were Mennonites, the side of connection with him there. Two, talk about where's the best use for your money and was talking, really talking to advisors to talk to investors about how putting money back into our educational system is a great idea and talk about in front of 4,000 people, Rowan College, my wife and my daughter go to. Which is a local school right right near us. They used to be called Glassboro College. And then there was a large benefactor donated a ton of money, like a lot of money. I think it was- Hank Rowan. Hank and I, Rowan. Think, I think it was to the tune of like $400 million. I think it was $400 million, which was ballpark. like one of the first large donations to a school of that size. But really what he was trying to talk about, which I thought was quite interesting, and he, and he actually didn't talk about like the outlier effect. What he was really talking about is if you're, and he used the soccer analogy in terms of, do you raise the bar of your top players or do you raise the bar of your bottom players, right? And so he was talking about this whole thing, basically weak link, strong link type of fundamentals. And he used soccer as a as an example of weak link because they found that by investing in increasing the skill set of your weakest player on the team, it actually increased the value and the success of the team overall versus just hiring that one star athlete, you know, the one lead guy on, on the soccer team, which, and then he sort of translated into the country as a whole and education and surprisingly where all the money is going versus where the money should be going to schools like Glassboro, now Rowan University versus the Harvards and the Princetons and all that stuff. And then he put a study up that that showed like the top schools in terms of creating value for their students after four years. And there was like a community college on there. There was all these smaller schools that actually did a better job at building up the student body for future success than the Harvards and Princetons. And so that was his whole point. Right. Well, he did. He did a great job of bringing that back to advisors and their business, right. which was, you know, the point was, to, you know, take your your employees that need nurturing and give them just that. Nurture those employees, and you will, you should more than double your value of the business versus putting all the resources into the you know the top person or people. It's a it has a better net effect on the momentum and success for the business, which all translates to the client. Client will have a much better experience if you know your weakest link is really strong relative to anybody out there. Right. Receptionist, you know, assistant, because it starts right at the, you know, if you have a client that walks in the door and you have a really weak receptionist, that's going to give your clients a really bad impression coming in first, regardless of how smart you are as an advisor, 
if they get a bad experience coming into your office because of the weakest link in your office, it may cost you. And you use like, as an example, you use like surgeons and medical field with nurses and how paying attention to all the details. I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole, what, how he described it, but what he was saying is that the medical industry is, is also a weak link. So the, what we're describing is a weak link structure. And that is, it's weak link, not in a negative, but in a positive. It's you're taking your your lowest producer, your newest person, your weakest link on your team, and trying to raise their bar versus making the the strongest person on your team even stronger, right? Versus like, like and use basketball as an example. Yeah. Basketball is a strong link team. You can get one or two people, and I think he used three as a number, yeah, actually- and you can dominate you three strong people. And a white center from Australia, <laughs> and you have a championship team. Right, Because right, he kind of exactly. looked at across sports and said, yeah. oh, yeah, this is actually something Bulls, that keeps repeating itself. He looked at itself. the Nuggets, right? He looked at a couple of different the teams. Warriors. Warriors yeah. or whatever. I'm not yeah. a basketball guy. So, and right, there was some commonality, right? Right. But that's a strong link right. sport or business. And he's saying Visor's business, that's a weak link business for the most part. That That's just how that operates because there's clients involved. Yeah, so, that so was, we, I yeah, that we was, can do a whole nother, we can do a podcast just on that alone. But basically the bottom line there is you have to look at everybody in your organization and figure out how do you raise the bar of everybody in the organization right down to the interns, right? And right. believe it or not, it makes things a lot easier because they're if they're paying attention to their jobs and their details, you as a financial advisor can spend more time focusing on the things that you do really well. And that is, you know, working with your clients and finding new clients. I thought that was really interesting. Speaking of clients, something else I wrote down. I always, I kind of, I hear this, but there was some emphaticism around the way to put it. So, so I hear a lot of people talk about their books and segmenting their books into A, B, C, D through Z, right? And I thought it was very interesting because there was an anecdote about how, you know, advisor goes to junior advisor at the, at the team and says, Hey, I want you to call all the C clients and you know invite them to this event. So the advisor, yeah. junior advisor, calls up the client, says, "Hey, uh, you're one of our C clients. We want you to come to yeah. this event we're hosting." Yeah, basically, he was like, "Mr. Smith asked me to call all the C clients and invite them to this event." Like, oh my god! But that's also a good example of of strengthening your your weak link, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Well, there was two things for me in that. One, <laughs> yeah, weak link, but then two the messaging to to the team, you know, and to the client ultimately, and even just like your mindset. So if all your clients are AAA, AA, and A, they're all A clients. And that was really the point in that is kind of- They should be all A clients. And if they're not A clients, they probably shouldn't be your clients. That's what I was trying to say. Right? Yeah, yeah. Boom, like that, that right? It. Just, you nailed it. Right. Yeah. So that was basically, but then the other thing you you went into is, and you wrote this down, put my glasses on, and I can look really cool and smart. It's not what you say, it's what they hear. Oh, wow. Isn't that, isn't that something? I notice just, it happens to me in life constantly. Yeah, my wife says that to me all the time. Yeah, it's it was not actually, what I was, you say, it's how you're saying it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the same thing, right? Yeah, it's right. It's, it's all about the perception. So for clients, it kind of in that same tiered client concept, it's not what you're saying. It's how these people, how your clients are hearing your messaging. Yeah, but this comes under the context. I think this particular era, this topic that we were listening to was really about communicating what's happening in the markets right now mm-hmm. and clients' fears and being prepared 
for those conversations and being prepared to speak in a way that your clients understand what you're saying that they may not because they don't have the background and knowledge that you have and basically be able to articulate a message in a way that makes the client feel comfortable, confident that you you are aware of what's happening in the, in the market. You are aware of what's happening in, to their accounts. You're not being dismissive to them because they're going to hear it however they're going to hear it. And you have to be thinking about that concept before you go meet with clients. Yeah, right. That's a, such an important well, they even talked about listening as as this major attribute, which is yeah. opposite of speaking. I get that, but it, you well, know, you have two ears and one mouth, right? So right. the whole point of there is you should be. I think they said something like, "You should be listening seventy percent of the time." Right. Right. Listening seventy percent of the time. The other part of it, which I thought was interesting, and looking, you wrote this down, which I thought was probably for me one of the most interesting pieces of information, I'm not going to say stats, right? Because I don't have the stats off the top of my head. But in, in terms of what, what they hear and communication, right, is the whole wordsmithing thing, right? And they were talking about, would clients rather pay a fee, a commission, a charge, or a cost, yeah. right? So they had this chart up there and they were like, well, which did a study of, of so many clients and and which one would they rather pay? And surprisingly to everybody in the room, fee was the lowest one that they preferred. By by quite a bit, by, too. It was like half. Yeah, like, I, mean, I think it was the, more than half. It was, yeah. it was, like, it was the like 60% range well, or something. Well, I think it was of the clients, I think 40% of them, only 40% preferred to pay a fee. They liked the word fee when they saw it on a piece of paper or, you know, it was, that's what they agreed to. Right. Fee, but then there was yeah. commission. And that was in the 70s. Well, commission scored higher, right? Commission scored higher than fee. Yep. Then above commission Shocking. was charge. Was charge. Charge, okay. Right? But then the highest one that they preferred was cost, yeah. which I thought was very interesting. And they went through basically how to communicate that. Because I think that everybody assumes, myself included, that you know you say, well, this is what I'm going to do for you and blah, 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 blah. And you're going to pay a fee of X. Right. What they actually preferred was these are all the things that we're going to do for you, boom, 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 with a list. And we're going to provide this, we're going to provide that. And the cost for our services is why. That actually it was like 90% or something like that preferred that structure, which I thought was mind blowing in my mind. The way to describe it now, and when I thought about it, yeah, it kind of makes sense. We've all been trained from an e commerce standpoint to, to have this experience that's really guided. And if you look at the way e-commerce works, you put something in the shopping cart and then it's a cost right. and they don't have a fee this in there. This is what it costs. Right. This is what you're getting. This is what it costs. Exactly. And they were using that analogy that clients and consumers have been trained to understand cost and value, right? This is the value I'm getting. This is what it costs. They love versus that. the fee. They love it. was crazy. I lean over to Dale on the service model that we have called Praxis Dynamics, where we help advisors set up their offices and everything like that. And we have a price list and it says fee, 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 fee. I leaned over and I said, we have to change our entire documents to change it to cost. Which we'll, we'll definitely do. Which will happen, but it makes complete sense the way you position it. So I thought that was really earth shattering to me. And they even said high net worth clients specifically think of things in terms of costs and right. want, want to see costs versus 
any of the other three. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't it just I think that when you're looking at it, it's well, what's the cost for this service? It's you know, yeah, that one and a half percent or something like that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Whatever it is that you're charging them for, whether it's fixed fees or or fixed financial planning fees or whatever. You need to start thinking about that, folks. That's a whole topic into itself. Oh, As I'm thinking about ADVs and compliance and the in the way you're describing your services to clients. Yeah. So okay. let's go to the next one. So you have on here high net worth clients love the title specialist. Oh. This made complete sense to me. But to actually put a word onto it makes complete sense now. Now now I've sort of separated out in my mind. Yeah, of course they want a specialist. So so every high net worth client, yeah, you can be a financial advisor and that's good, but they want more than just one person. They want more than, hey, we're a team of five people. Like, they want more than that. They too. want more than that. That's what I'm yep. saying. They, well, that was, I think, the point is they want more than, oh, we have a team of five or six or seven. We have three financial advisors and our combined, I think he used the, you know, he's sort of being funny about it. Our combined experience is 127 years or something right. like that. I think like, I have that on one that, of our documents that, somewhere. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but his point was that doesn't, doesn't mean anything to a high net worth client. They want to know we have five people on our team and we have four specialists. We have a specialist that handles this, specialist that handles that. That's what they're looking for because that's what they're used to when they're dealing with their health or they're dealing with other aspects of their life. When they're dealing with their health, they go to a specialist, right? That's how they're quantifying whether or not you're, you're good at what you do or not is if you have specialists. So if you have someone on your team and you say to them, well, they're, you know, they're the financial planner, right? They don't understand that. It has to be they're the financial planning specialist. Right. Like you have to use that word for them to really understand what you're talking about. Yeah, it's true. Actually, you bring up, I'm thinking about the designation CFP mm-hmm. as you're saying that. To me, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but that seems more of like a generalist designation. Yeah. So I have a relative who has a CFP and he just got his, I think it's a AAMS. I'm yeah. getting that wrong, yeah, yeah, so, AAMS, something like yeah. that. Well, anyway, he got a he got a specialty I designation. And I think most of these clients, most clients, honestly, don't even know what that stuff means. But it has a word in it that speaks to them specifically as a, as an expertise inside of. I mean, it can be it can mean yeah. a broad range of yeah. things like real estate or. You know. But it has to be articulated to the clients because they don't understand. I actually think a lot of clients when they hear CFP, they think they understand like what that really means. But most really don't. They just know, oh, it's CFP. Like, right. I think you're supposed to have that, right? They don't really understand why. But anyway, that was another one. These are these things that I think were relevant to everybody as an advisor thinking about your business and how you're operating it and the things that you're saying to your clients, the things that you're presenting to your clients and your team through the eyes. All of this stuff is like through the eyes and ears of your clients not through your eyes and ears. That was an overall arching theme is that advisors have to turn the, the lens around and look at their business as if they were the client. Oh, I think this is a nice segue. So one of the other topics was seeing the business through other people's ears and eyes on your team. And how do you get everybody in your business to have more buy-in to the overall impact and their contribution to the success and or failure of the business, but put the responsibility on them. So this is this is maybe a little bit more advanced in terms of a concept or topic, 
but really straightforward. What I took away from it was you need to start incorporating in your leadership meetings, everybody as at least, so hold on, well, let me back up. Where, they're back going, up where, where he's going with this is in order for you to get buy-in from your entire team on the direction of the firm, I think the strategy was instead of having one person running the meeting every single week, that you have everybody on your team share in the responsibility in running the weekly strategy meeting. Not even share. I mean, they well, literally share. Like every week, each per, yeah, a new person appointed. is running it. Exactly. Somebody different is running the meeting so that their influence or their thoughts and ideas have a better chance of potentially getting into the meeting. Yeah, yeah. And what really what they were saying is the hope is that the agenda, the topics, and the leadership of the meeting all start to blend together into one thing because everybody's having some level of contribution in it, even if it's mostly coming from one person, the you know the vision of what needs to be done. Now you're having other people articulate it in their own words, and you you start to get this this brilliant like prism effect that happens. Yeah, I think right. The ultimate goal there is to have more contribution to the meeting than one or two people, and by rotating the people that run the meeting itself, the idea there is you're going to get you're going to get more contribution each week, which is ultimately it's sort of like EOS or traction. If those of you that heard about that, which is a whole nother topic, but running these weekly meetings, you should be running a meeting every single week at the, on the same on the same day at the same time for the same amount of time with the same people. You can't miss the meeting. Like these are this is a critical point for your company. And what they're saying here is having one person, not necessarily the leader of the firm, like this the CEO or the whoever the main partner of the firm, have somebody else running the meeting and that person can change each week. But the point is, is that to have the meeting every single week and make sure that you're rotating who's actually running the meeting with the same agenda, but they're moving through the meeting and their maybe their form of communication is a, is a little bit different, which then hopefully garners different conversations. Progressive idea. Right. <laughs> I can. Yeah. I can, a, <laughs> yeah. Even for me, that one's a little bit uncomfortable. I, and I hear so. it as you articulate it, I'm thinking, yeah, this is this is there, you're like, yeah, yeah. It, we're working on that one here too. So you know, it's an evolution and getting comfortable with it because you know you need to make sure that you're getting the stuff accomplished that you want to get accomplished. And if somebody on your team has never run a meeting before, it may not necessarily go the way you want it to go. So you have to have some patience. This is me talking to myself no, as certainly. we're talking that I'm talking to myself about having to have patience when we try to implement this ourselves. By the way, so a lot of these things that we talk about on our show, we talk about because we're implementing these things in our own organization, which is north of 50 people. So when you're getting to the size that we're at, you have to have these, you have to have these types of conversations. You have to have these types of processes in place in order to achieve higher levels of success. And so m- most advisors out there, just because you have a, maybe it's it's you and your assistant or you and a, and a junior person and a financial planner and an assistant, it doesn't mean you shouldn't be running these types of meetings because you have to be thinking about when my business is twice as big, how am I going to handle it? And these are the kinds of things that you need to be thinking about. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's great uh, advice. Anyway, you know, we're getting a little bit long, but it was a great event. We really appreciated it. There's so much more to unpack in terms of, what we heard from, you know, and there was a Navy SEAL speaker, Dave Dave Rutherford, who was talking about the never quit attitude, which was tremendous. SEAL Frog, I think SEAL Frog Institute 
is the name of his Instagram account. You want to check him out, David Rutherford. He was phenomenal. It's a whole nother topic we can go into, but it was a great event. We were really excited. We were really tired when we came back because <laughs> it was it was a long week, even though it was only three days or two and a half days, but it felt like a week. And I'm still absorbing the information yeah. and, and I'm beyond grateful for all the LPL folks who yeah. hosted really, really, really well thought out topics and events. And it's just, it's been a fantastic experience. Anyway, so with that said, we appreciate everybody listening. Thanks for joining us. If Again, if you're not watching us on, on YouTube, go to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRose on YouTube. Leave a, uh, a rating, five stars, of course. Leave comments. We appreciate them. Suggestions on other stories and other topics that we want to have. So, And as Dale always says, smash that like button. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next time. Great talk. Thanks for listening to Advisor Talk with Frank LaRosa. If you're looking for more advice or solutions on any topics in the financial services industry, or you just want to subscribe to our podcast, head on over to EliteConsultingPartners.com slash podcasts. Podcasts.